The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, you know that the Edmonton Convention Center has been operating as a shelter since uh, last, well, since late October, just over a, a month now. Um, you know, at any given time, about a, a few hundred people have been staying at the facility that's being run by four different organizations that work with um, the homeless in our city over the past week, especially. There's been some concerns being raised about uh, safety issues, about uh, a COVID outbreak and um, it's been in the media a lot and just wanted to dial up Elliot Tanti, who is the communications officer with Boyle Street Community Services, one of the operators of, uh, of the convention centre to, to find out what is going on. Hey Elliot, welcome back to the show. Hi Jalen, nice to speak with you again. Yeah, sure. Good to to talk with you. So give us give us an idea, and, and we've got a bit of time here. So I'd like to kind of just you know flesh this out a little bit. You know, um, you know, we started having people staying coming to the to the convention center about a month ago. Tell us about how this past month has been, and then I wanted to get into you know what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. But you know, initially, how did things start out? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we were uh, uh, approached by the City of Edmonton to set up a facility uh, to provide a winter space for people. Uh, we knew that cold weather was coming, as everyone in Edmonton mm-hmm. knows, <laughs> and uh, we wanted to make sure that people had a safe place to go. Uh, a place that was secure and uh, where they could get out of the cold and also access services uh, in a way that was safe. And that requires, uh, you know, substantial space. And so we've begun working out of the Edmonton Convention Center to uh, provide 24-7 shelter and services to individuals who are experiencing homelessness and poverty in our city. All right, and so the the initial numbers I'm reading, you know, a few hundred people um, that have been accessing it on a on a regular basis. Is that a fair number? Yeah, uh, you know, on some of our busiest days, we have um, over 600 unique individuals that have come through the space. Uh, we have capacity for th- we have we had capacity for 300 individuals at any given time, and since uh, we've moved to outbreak, that's been reduced to 150. Uh, but still, a substantial amount of people are going through the facility every day, as uh, as there are many Edmontonians uh, affected by uh, homelessness. Yeah, without a doubt. So as you mentioned, the number been has been reduced. That, that COVID-19 outbreak uh, declared there, I think, last Thursday. So do you know what that number sits at right now as far um, as those who have been infected with COVID-19? I do. The number currently right now is there are 64 cases related to the isolation facility that in, uh, with four recoveries. Uh, but that includes uh, not just people that are experiencing homelessness, but also also staff as well too. Okay. All right. So, give us an idea of the process. Um, you know, what happens when when one of your clients is is you know gets sick with COVID nineteen? What is the process? What happens? And and how are you trying to keep them safe and and, and stop the spread? 
Uh, it's a great question. And generally, actually, the intervention happens much before the person is actually tested positive um, uh, for COVID-19. We have created as a sector our own contract contact tracing method. And so as soon as someone is identified as being a potential close contact in the inner city, they are immediately um, uh, screened in our, our uh, a flag is put on their profile in our data system. And so the next time that they enter into any facility, they are flagged and immediately removed from the uh, general homeless population and moved into an isolation facility. From there, they can stay in in uh, an isolation space in, for example, ECC until their uh, quarantine time is done, or uh, which is happened more regularly and with more frequency now uh, an individual may develop symptoms and then is immediately tested should that test be positive then they're moved to the Edmonton isolation facility where they can uh, where they will stay for 14 days isolated under 24 7 nursing care and a place of uh, dignity and respect I, I think what's important to note in this process is that it allows us to intervene uh, before individuals are developing symptoms and when they're at the highest risk to infect uh, other people in the, in the community. And uh, and that's a system that we've developed ourselves and are implementing ourselves as a sector. Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad to hear that you've kind of, you've come up with your own your contact tracing system because given the circumstances and the challenges, um, it could be a huge challenge to, to find um, and, and, and keep track of someone who may have been in one day and then not back for a few more days. I mean, that's a unique challenge that you have to deal with. Well, I, traditionally, the population with which we serve are a very difficult group to get data on. Uh, so we've worked really hard to develop some systems that yeah. uh, will we'll catch them. So even, for example, uh, the ECC facility is 24-7. And so yeah. someone might think, well, if they're in there and they're flagged, how would you, know, you can get a hold of them? But they are actually checked out at the end of every day and checked into okay. the night shelter side. So we're able to intervene that day as soon as they're a close contact and get them into a safe isolation space um, so that they can be monitored and also uh, in the event that they're positive, not spread to anyone else in the inner city. Okay, is, what else um, is being done or do you think needs to be done to, to limit the spread, to get that outbreak under control? Well, I think there's a number of things that we're doing since uh, even before uh, the outbreak break was declared. Uh, we heard loud and clear from our community, especially in the initial weeks, that there were some issues with, with cleanliness in the building, uh, particularly in our bathroom space. So we've completely revamped our hygiene efforts within the building. We've uh, added additional staff and additional staff shifts uh, to clean uh, and disinfect uh, spaces, particularly high touch and high traffic areas. Uh, we've instituted uh, electrostatic decontamination of uh, all the spaces, which takes place every 24 hours. So that's the shelter okay. space, the day space, and the isolation space. And uh, we've brought in uh, uh, additional staff to, 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 to make sure that the staffing areas are also clean as well. Um, the, the safety and security of the people that we serve and the people working are of the utmost uh, a priority for us. Yeah, you know what? I think it's a, it's a constant learning process. You can continue to have to adapt, um, and we all are right now. Elliot Tanti joining me this afternoon. Elliot, I, I've heard some concerns about social distancing and, and the challenges with that inside the centre, as well as as some masking concerns. Now, I don't, you know, that, I don't know if that was one or two people, but these have been brought up and certainly brought up in the media when it comes to social distancing and masking. What's being done on that front to 
ensure that people are are keeping that that space and wearing those masks well since the facility opened we've been really clear with people accessing the facility that they need to be wearing masks at all times except for when they're eating and, and when they're sleeping mm-hmm. um, but you know at times upwards of 300 individuals in the space it can be difficult to monitor spaces all uh, at all times um, so what we've done is instituted a, a, a participant code of conduct uh, that we're, we're having everyone that enters into the building verbally agree to and one of the things that we make really clear in that space is that so both social distancing and mask wearing are required at all times and uh, that failure will do so to do so will mean removal from the facility uh, especially now since the outbreak last week um, we have to we we have to enforce those rules quite strongly uh, it's in the best interest of of the people that we serve our staff uh, everyone and I think just like the general population uh, there's been a bit of a learning curve in our community and, and that will continue and and and, and the debates will go on but but in the facility you are required to wear a mask and that is being enforced by staff and security Elliot any challenge when someone has tested positive in getting them to make sure that they're isolated that they are staying where they need to be um, I mean we're seeing it in the general population I'm wondering you know if, 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 if you face some some challenges uh, with with the clients that you work on that front at all well I think there's always outliers in societies and and, yeah. and, and, and in our community no different but, but for the most part no our community are just as scared as everyone else they're, they're feeling just as anxious about these increases in number of cases and and what it means for them their their patterns have been disrupted their ability to access services is just harder because of uh, because of this outbreak and and so I, I, what we have found is that people are, are compliant and, and the idea of going to an isolation facility where they're going to have 24/7 care where they're going to have a, their own personal space uh, a place of dignity and respect uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I, that is something that uh, you know our, our community really responds well to and has responded uh, well to up until this point and we don't anticipate any changes um, in fact I think it's worth noting Jalen if I could you know mm-hmm. uh, the inner city community was the last group of people really to experience uh, infection and I yeah. think uh, unfortunately our community is oftentimes stigmatized as being uh, dirty or unhealthy and, and what COVID has shown is it's actually not the case and uh, and so you know they take their health very seriously. Elliot Tanti joining us this afternoon. There's been some concerns raised as well about uh, just security and, and, and safety. Is, is you know, what's being done on, on that front to ensure, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know that people are, are being kept safe? And have you had any concerns and in, in, in incidents that, that have been on your forefront when it comes to that? You know, absolutely. Security is an ongoing concern in the inner city and, and East, the ECC facility is really, really no different. Um, but w- what we have heard from our community loud and clear is that we needed additional resources for that. So mm-hmm. what we've done is, in addition to the uh, participant code of conduct that uh, I articulated earlier, we've also yeah. um, increased uh, security and members in the facility. We're also increased um, 
and added additional resources for security uh, surrounding the building and uh, made really clear what the expectations are in terms of behavior inside the building and that is that participants are expected to respect themselves uh, and each other in that space and failure to do so will mean removal from the facility um, so it, it's really about you know clear communication and and, and, it, and it's an iterative process too there's uh, just as things get colder tensions get higher as yeah, uh, sure covid numbers go higher tensions get higher and so so it's about working with community but making really clear what the expectations are and, and we'll continue to do that and and ultimately the most important stakeholder in this is the people that we serve and if they're yeah. articulating concern then we're going to take that very seriously and continue to mm. do so yeah, Elliot, I mean, you look at this weather that we've had over the past uh, week or so and into next week, and, you know, it it uh, it hasn't been too bad. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, when it drops down to that minus 30 mark, you know, what other challenges uh, you might uh, and, and your team there might might face. But as as you're saying, you're continuing to adapt, you're continuing to learn. And when when you when you need to fix something, you're doing it. And um, yeah. uh, I continue to wish nothing but the best for for all of you who are doing this very important work in the city of Edmonton, uh, Elliot. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Jalen, just one last thing. I really have to acknowledge the hard work that's being done by our frontline staff at the facility. Mm-hmm. They are working under impossible, uh, under impossible situation and incredibly hard to make sure those in our city that are the most vulnerable uh, are getting the best services possible during this really difficult time. And I'd really like to take an opportunity to acknowledge all of our frontline workers. It's, uh, we, it's, they're so important to this effort. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, thank you for taking the time to do that. And again, thank you for for joining me this afternoon and the work that the entire team is doing, Elliot. I always appreciate your time. Always. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, take care. Elliot Tanti joining me this afternoon. He is the communications officer with Boyle Street Community Services. Just kind of give us an update on what's happening at the at the convention center and and like all places and all facilities and probably all places where people are going to or we're continuing to learn and we have to adapt right um you know well that's not working so we have to do this uh this happened so we have to do this and yeah as elliot said it's a it's a pretty challenging situation right now but those frontline workers are are doing the absolute best they can and uh, again I, i thank them for it